0: Seeking confirmation bias, Greta addresses Congress, foreign policy, and Trump versus California. Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This of course is the show where you come for the accent but you stay for the principles. We, we, wee. Ha, ha, ha. Yes you do. We have a jam-packed show for you today and I want to start today's show by talking to you about your culture and talking to you about specifically the political discourse that's going on in your country right now. And it's not unique to America. It's very common. It happens in America. It's happening in England right now over Brexit. It's happening in Ireland. It happens in Europe. It, there's a common theme. And that common theme is we all divide ourselves into tribes or into sides or into political parties or into ideologies. And we don't actually have honest discussions some of the issues I want to talk to you about today that are really key and they happen on both sides of the aisle is when do you actually see discussions happening? And when I say a discussion, a fundamental discussion where you have a back and forth, an exchange of ideas, but you also have a foundation of an understanding that we will be respectful to each other. But there's a good chance at the end of the conversation that we're going to have to agree to disagree. Because so many times I see us with people in the media, with people in my industry, with people in politics and people on social media. I actually don't think a lot of people want to have discussions anymore. What I think people want is to have their bias confirmed to them. To say, hey, I have these feelings. And yes, I will listen to you because you're telling me I'm right. And when people actually go, you know what? I think I see the world slightly different. You're not confirming their bias. You're actually a threat to them. You're a threat to them going to go, whoa, what do you mean you don't see the world the way I do? Of course we, what are you, crazy? It's it's so obvious. And then we get frustrated and then what happens is a load of names starts getting called and insults start throwing and we're no better off. In fact, we're actually worse off as a society because that other person kind of goes, I just tried to have a conversation with you just because I didn't agree with you and then you insulted me. Am I going to be more open to having a conversation with you? The other part of it is we are buying so many spin lines from the media and from politicians about the other side. I know people on both sides of the aisle, but people on both sides of the aisle listen to this show. They reach out to me. They told me. And it's so frustrating where people will turn to me and go, John, I'm I'm a Trump supporter. I'm not racist. I'm like, I know. I'm not, I'm not the, I'm not a sexist. I, I, don't hate black people. I don't hate women. I know. I agree with you. What they, they left throws at you is all true. But likewise, I have people who are Democrats who listen to this show who are not Bernie Sanders who go, you know, I get called this, I get called a socialist, communist hippie. I don't want to be communist. I just happen to see the welfare state different to you. I want to help people. I want to give more benefits to people. That doesn't make me necessarily a bad person. I'm not a communist. I don't want to kill people. I had an engagement with someone online the other day. He was like, I'm a very far-left Democrat, but I am very pro-gun. Now, if I just said to you, hey, there's this far-left Democrat, would you engage with him? But we found common ground over guns. What way do you want to discuss people with people? Do you want to base it all on sides and on tribes and on political parties? On whether you like someone? You know, a typical example of this is how people respond to Donald Trump. If you love Donald Trump, you're a Trumper. You're deplorable. If you dare say anything bad about Donald Trump, oh, there you go, because I've got called this. Oh, you're a never-Trumper. No, I'm neither. Why do we put people in boxes? Have we not learned anything through human history that people are individualistic, people are complex, people think sometimes with ration, sometimes we think with thought, sometimes we think with reason, and sometimes we think with emotion. It's not always consistent, but yet we love putting people in boxes. When you look online, and I'd ask you to do this this weekend or maybe next week, whenever, depending on when you're listening to this show, go on social media and actually ask yourself, who wants to have a discussion? Who is it? Whether it's politicians, whether it's people in the media, whether it's just people that you know, who you are friends with or who you follow. do they Are they seeking conversation? Are they seeking discussion? Or are they simply seeking to tell the world what they think and anyone who thinks different to them is the problem. They are the enemy. They must be crushed. They must be destroyed. I can tell you, by the way, I'm not making myself out to be any better. I have a side. My side is just happens to be not based around people or parties. My side is principles. If you're listening to this show long enough, you know it'll always come back to a certain core principle. Whether it's the Constitution, whether it's the Declaration of Independence, whether it's nature's law, it will always come back to that. But the other frustrating thing about it is when you look at politics today, there is no room for it to say the following. You know what? The other side... There is some merit to what they say. Every time I say this, because I've said this for many, many years, and every time I say it, I get pushback. I see what the left says, quote-unquote, even though I hate those terms because they mean absolutely nothing. The left, the Democrats. I see what they say, and I see the problems they have, and they they talk about. I kind of go, you know what? There is a small bit of merit to them. In some cases, there's a large bit of merit. I completely, 100% disagree on every solution they put forward. You know, the idea of poverty. I'm absolutely in agreement. Don't want poverty. How, how do you solve poverty? I think every suggestion that comes from a Democrat's mouth is baloney. It, it's, it'll only empower those in power. It will only enrich those who have more riches. And it will only grow government. I happen to believe, through my experience, through my my lifestyle, that I have a different solution to poverty. And it's a solution that can actually work. It doesn't empower people. It empowers the individual who's in poverty. But there is merit. But we're going to come back to that because I want to talk to you about some issues. There is an agenda here. And this is what I want to talk to you about for a minute. What we have to understand, and this is on both sides of the aisle, the American people are getting played. The American people are getting played because there's an agenda built in here. And it's been very successfully done by people on both sides of the aisle in politics and in media. Yes, my industry. You know, it's easy to point the finger, oh, it's only the left and it's only fake news. It's on both sides of the aisle. Because both sides of the aisle have realized that they get power and they get money by you being divided. You know the old saying of, you know, a house divided cannot stand. There is truth in that. There is logic in that. But then people in the media, people in my industry, people in politics have woken up to realize, you know what? Let's just create an environment that is so toxic that it is always them that is the problem. Look at the, look at whoever who you listen to and ask yourself, do they actually talk about principles or do they just go, they're the problem. Get them. And then look at the left, the the fake news that you all hate. And compare the principles and compare and contrast. Who's offering solutions today? Who's offering principles? Who's offering the voice of reason? This has been so successfully done. I'd just ask you to think about something. I want you to think of your favorite politician. ever. who it is, whether it's Donald Trump, whether it's Ted Cruz, whether it's Mike Lee, ever, I don't care who it is. The name does not matter. Just think of it. And you wake up tomorrow morning, and all of a sudden you see again. Pick your f- least favorite host, the Morning Joe on MSNBC, or you know Rachel Maddow, whoever who it is, the person you just cannot stand. And I want you to imagine them saying something nice about your favorite politician. What's your reaction? Is your reaction kind of going, "What am I missing here? Oh, oh, why, why, why is she or he saying nice things about my politician? That this doesn't end well." Likewise, now I want you to flip it on its, on, the, on its head and I want you to think of the politician you hate the most. Hillary Clinton, I'm guessing, is pretty popular among here, right? Can you imagine Hillary Clinton been praised or anything nice been said about Hillary Clinton on Fox News? Now, just ask yourself from a business point of view. Forget principles, forget logic, forget reason. Just think of business. Getting the money, you know, the, the Benjamins. Do you think It would be in MSNBC's best interest to say something nice about Trump. Do you think it's in Fox's news best interest to say something nice about Hillary? Or do they just realize, you know what, people don't want want to be told they're right. They want that confirmation bias and it gets us ratings and it gets us viewers. So we're just going to give the people what they want. You know, a prime example of how bad some things are in your culture right now. There was a tweet put out about a week ago, and true, full disclosure, I haven't got a clue who this person is. I know who she is, but I've never had much dealings with her. I don't know whether she's a good person or a bad person, or she could be awesome or she could suck. I have no idea. It's Cassie Dillon of, formerly of the Daily Wire. And she had the audacity to say the following on Twitter, and this caused an unbelievable Twitter storm. I don't like Trump, or I don't want to be friends with Trump, but I'll vote for him. And then I think she said later on, I like Andrew Yang. I'd like to hang out with him, but I'd never vote for him. Even Donald Trump tweeted, retweeted her tweet saying that she doesn't like him or she wouldn't be friends with him, but she'd vote with him. And he responded by going, I'm okay with that. Go read the responses to her. What? Oh my God. What do you mean? What do you mean you won't want to be friends with Trump? Trump is awesome. I'd love to be Trump's friend. Trump is the most awesome guy in the world. Trump is amazing. Trump is, oh my God. If I could just have a beer with Trump, how can you not like Donald Trump? Donald Trump is so cool. She said she's going to vote for him. She said she's going to vote for him. He, even Donald Trump said, I'm okay with that. But yet the outrage was unbelievable. She was on Fox News discussing it. That is the problem. We want to be told we're right. We want If you think Donald Trump is the greatest president of all time, you want to hear that. If you think Donald Trump is the coolest guy in the world, you want to hear that. If you think Donald Trump sucks, if you think Donald Trump is Hitler, you want to hear that. And guess what? If you believe these and someone else comes along and says, hey, guess what? Maybe Donald Trump isn't the coolest guy in the world. Maybe Donald Trump is a bit of a jerk. Or guess what? Donald Trump is not Hitler. He hasn't rounded people up. You know, there's a long, long way to go to be Hitler. Let's, you know, let's Hitler be Hitler. Hitler killed six million people. Donald Trump, I don't know. Has he killed one? Well, you could probably say he probably has killed because of foreign policy and stuff like that. You know, the, we can have, we'll give the left that little accolade. You know, he's killed some people, but because of the foreign policy and the media. But has he killed six million people? Has he gassed them? Has he put them in train, in chains and put them onto trains into a gas chamber? Hmm, uh, I don't even know using the biggest spin, you know, the most, you know, crazy convoluted argument that says Donald Trump has done anything close to that. Be trying to tell that to someone who is convinced Donald Trump is Hitler. Likewise, I hear this line. Do you think Donald Trump is racist? No. I think he's a bit of a jerk at times. I think he's a bit uh, outspoken. I think he doesn't use words the way they're supposed to be used. I don't think he's the most articulate person in the world. A racist? No. And I am guarantee you someone will listen to that kind of, oh my God, did you say Donald Trump is a bit of a jerk? Yeah. I. If you're listening to me, I don't know why this would be a shock to you. But the idea is we don't want anybody saying something different to what we think. You know, one of the problems with society is we don't have a foundation built on scriptures or even a foundation built on something else. Everything I've spoken about and everything that goes on in your politics is a scriptural lesson, whether you like it or not. And I'm not trying to give you the Jesus trying to get you to convert, but it is true. There are principles that are core in this world. Your founders understood them. They built a foundation on stone. This is why I talk about man's law and nature's law. Because man's law is built on nothing. There is no foundation. And when the storms come and when the rain comes, it'll all come apart. When you build something on foundation like America did, the foundation that all men are created equal and endowed by the creator with certain inalienable rights and among those life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that is a foundational stone. Have you always achieved that? No. Have you come close at times? Yes. Have you made progress? In some ways, yes. And in some ways, no, you've gotten worse because you've more, you've gone so far away from the constitution. But everyone, if you look around at society today, the problem is everyone wants to worry about the speck in someone else's eye. And we all want to forget about the log in our own eye. The issues I want to talk to you and they're on both sides of the aisle for the rest of this show I want you just to think about it. How many times do you have a reasonable conversation about the issues we're going to talk about? How many times do people actually go, you know what? We can have a conversation, but we will just see the world differently. And that's okay. Why? Because we are individualistic. We're individuals. It is a bad idea to have everyone thinking the same thing all the time. Or even 50% of the time. Because then we're not Individual. If everyone thought the same way and acted the same way and did the same thing, that's a really boring world. We don't advance in that world because why would you advance? We just all see the world the same way. Some of the biggest influences and changes in this world happened by people who saw things differently. Do you think someone went? You know what? I have this like idea. You know, I I I, I think I don't know how to verbalize it, but I, I have this like kind of I don't know box. And it's going to have four wheels and you I don't know what you're going to do, you're, but you're going to, it's going to be like powered and like you'd be able to move it around. Uh, we all know I'm talking about driving a car here, but do you think people went, Oh, that's a great idea. Or do people went, we have horses and carriages for that. Do you think someone who, when they came up with the idea for the airplane, you know, I'm, I'm going to have this giant box, this vessel. And instead it's kind of going to, it's kind of similar to a boat, but it's not a boat. It's kind of more oval and it's going to have wings. And then it's going to have propellers on the outside. You know, they're going to go round and round and round. And it's going to go through the sky, not through the, uh, you know, not through the water. Do you think everyone went, that's a great idea? Or do you think people went, you're crazy. You're going to put something in the sky. It will fall into the water. And then the boat will come and pick you up. We need people who see the world differently. They challenge us. We advance through it. What advancement has happened in society? Though? And, you know, what, we all think the same way in we just see the world the way everyone else does, but we have this great idea to change it. it. doesn't happen. America was one of the countries that celebrates the individual. We need to celebrate the individual more. And yes, celebrate them even if they're wrong. Just because you're wrong doesn't mean you're a bad person. And I say that specifically to my friends on the left who are like, Oh, Donald Trump, he's a racist. Oh, I hate him. You can think Donald Trump is wrong 100% of the time, every day since he went down that elevator. Okay, I disagree with you, but guess what? That doesn't make Donald Trump a bad person. It doesn't mean he's a racist, it doesn't mean he hates women, and it sure as hell doesn't mean the people who voted for him, who voted for him on so many different reasons, for the Supreme Court, for the economy, for not being Hillary, because they loved him. They voted for him for so many reasons. That does not make them racist or bad people. It may make them wrong in your opinion, but they are not racist. enjoy this show or you think i'm right or you think i'm wrong on something or you want to put me straight get me on social media i'm on twitter freedom disciple on facebook jonathan Don 58 drop me a message drop me a follow i follow back eventually and i love engagement with you guys you guys are awesome the first issue i want to talk to you about today and these are all issues which we actually don't have discussions on anymore and i would argue even if we ever did the first one is climate change so this week was a, a special historic week in dc because you had someone testify before your congress about climate change and you're probably thinking why is that historic why is this why 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 the excitement well because it was greta it was greta it was the it was the 16-year-old superstar from sweden <gasps> oh my god i'm starstruck oh my god greta 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 Gre- greta greta do you, do you do you sense the enthusiasm i'm excited it's awesome And then, and she did this real cool thing where it was like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna testify before the Congress and the United Nations and I'm, I'm gonna be carbon neutral. I'm, I'm gonna not fly over to America from Sweden. I'm, I'm gonna go on a carbon neutral trip. So let's talk about this for a second. First off, on a, on a side note, you wanna know how far your country has gone from its foundational principles? The idea that you can have a 16-year-old from Sweden testify in front of Congress about climate change. Yet someone like me, who, whether you like me or hate me, or whether you agree with me or disagree with me all the time, none of the time, can't get there. You know, I could testify in front of your Congress on many issues, your constitution. Can you imagine that? I would actually pay to watch me testify in front of Congress. To remind everyone left and right about the Constitution. That would be fun. Do you think that would ever happen? I could testify about immigration. You know, the side of immigration no one ever talks about, whether you're left, right, top, bottom. You could testify about free market economics. Why tariffs are a bad thing. Again, you may not like what I say, or you may love what I say, but can you dispute that I could do it? That I could do it competently? i especially love to talk about your history, though, and your constitution. That would be fun. I would love to educate me, some Republicans and Democrats, about the truth of your history. But do you think that would ever happen? Who would invite me? Democrats? <laughs> Progressives? <laughs> AOC ain't inviting me anytime soon. Republicans? Conservatives? Constitutionalists? You think they want me there? But, yeah, 16-year-old, oh, yeah, talk about climate change. Yeah, absolutely. Talk about climate change. Absolutely. You get to testify in front of Congress and the United Nations. Awesome. Well done. But here's where I have major problems with this. Because all these people who talk about, hey, I'm so concerned about our planet. Oh, my God, we're going to die. First off, let's start with a compliment. This issue is one reason I actually admire the left. Yes, in case you misheard that, I admire the left. Because they will promote the same bullcrap over, over and over and over and over and over and over again. They don't change their logic. They don't change their reason. They see something. They believe something. They go Win elections. Lose elections. Have the presidency. Don't have the presidency. They're straight for always consistent now obviously the policies change and it becomes more you know dramatic if they lose an election oh my god we only have 500 days to climate chaos you know th- regardless of how many times they're proved wrong you know uh, miami's going to be underwater yeah it isn't al gore said that by the way AOC is back tweeting that again or she tweeted or said i heard last week that apparently by is it 2024 miami's going to be underwater again yeah, let's just keep recycling the same stuff. At least they're consistent on the principle of global warming. Let's recycle the same garbage. Oh, we can't come up with new talking points. Oh, yeah, Miami's going to be underwater. Let's see if it works this time. It didn't work for Al Gore, but hey, maybe AOC can get it down. Maybe AOC can get the job done. They recycle the same crap. But what annoys me is all these people like Greta, like Meghan Markle, like Prince Harry. Yes, the royal family. I know, even I got dragged into the royal family. They always talk about how great they are oh we need climate change we we need climate action yet they're running around on their private jets even Greta oh, I have this carbon neutral I travel to America in a carbon neutral boat it's a 60 foot racing yacht now first off here's the first problem if you actually believe this let's say you're you believe in climate change and you're like you know what John the world is going to end The world is going to, it's in, we're in peril. We're in really bad times. And you see this Greta and you love Greta. You think Greta's awesome. How many people do you know who are like, let me, let me give you an example. I'm traveling to America this week, right? Let's say I ball hook line and sinker. Everything Greta says, do you think I'm going to be able to afford a 60 foot racing yacht to get to America? Do you think I'm going to have the two weeks it takes to get there? Because I, I worry about the planet. I don't want the planet to die. I believe in climate change. I want to. I want to be carbon neutral too. Do you think I have two weeks to travel to America and then have the money to get a sixty-foot racing yacht? This is the disconnect between the elitists and the average person. You know, she could have used her platform for good, saying, you know, let's not dump stuff in the ocean. Let's not use plastic straws. You know, all the usual stuff. Let's switch off our lights. Let's turn our heating down a degree. You know, just every stuff that, you know, the average person could do. Nah, they don't do that. Meghan Markle, Prince Harry, exact same. Oh, you can't have this, you know. Fossil fuels are bad. This is bad. You know, gas guzzlers are bad. Yeah, I'm in my private jet, though, traveling all over the world. I had to love all the celebrities who went to this big Google conference. I think it was in Spain a about a month ago. Oh, we need to talk about climate change. We need to have all the big heads and all the most influential people in the world. And they all flew into their private jets. If they're so worried about it, how about having it remotely? How about have a, having a meeting via the internet where there is no carbon footprint or very little? Then she has this great tagline Greta has. Greta, 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 Greta. Greta. The 16-year-old, unite behind the science. Okay, let's unite behind the science. What science? This is highly disputable information. You have all these facts and figures, oh, the world is warming, the world is this, the world is that. Where's the proof? I've often used these two examples, and no one ever who believes in climate change will ever answer these two principles. If you believe the world is warming or you believe the world is cooling, there's two events and they were not caused by big gas guzzlers. The first one was from the 1600s, Great Britain. Great Britain in the 1600s was in major crisis. It was all the figureheads of the day were like, we need to solve this crisis. The crisis was not climate change. The crisis was trade. Why? Because the River Thames was frozen. It was pure ice. And in case you don't know the geography of England, back then in the 1600s, the River Thames was key to trade in England because everyone traded from London all the way up to the Midlands, as far as the Thames can go. And they used to stop on all the little ports and say, hey, I have this for, I have spices, I have food, I have pork, I have whatever. And they trade them. And they trade products. It was frozen solid. That was the crisis. How are they going to trade? How is the Midlands going to trade with London and vice versa? How is it going to solve it? The other one is the Mediterranean Ocean. The Mediterranean Ocean, at one point in time, there was no ocean. It was pure desert land. There's two events in the world, the exact opposite, that was not caused by gas uh, gas guzzlers' consumption, big SUVs, big private jets. These happened before they were even thought of. But Unite Behind the Science... And then I heard one of the big clips was, you know what, well, everyone's dumping stuff in the ocean. Okay. How about we actually sit down and actually have a conversation? Is there anyone who will listen to this? Even the most radical right-winger who hates the world, who would sit down and go, you know what, let's just throw trash in the ocean. That's a great idea. I have no problem with that. How about we say, yeah, there is some merit to that. Let's not trash our oceans. Let's not trash our countryside. Let's be a bit more environmentally friendly. Let's do things better. Is there anyone who thinks that's unreasonable? The question is, how do you do it? How do you actually make this planet a better place? How do you make this planet a cleaner place? Let's take the ocean example. Because I'm actually going to give you the answer. You see, all these people who want to talk about climate change, it's all an agenda. They're just jumping on it. Do you think Bernie Sanders cares about the environment? I don't think so. I think Bernie Sanders just sees, hey, environment, that's a really cool talking point right now. I want control of people. I want to tell people what to do. I want to compel people to act a certain way because I want to empower myself. I'm gonna jump on that bandwagon. And I dare say a lot of Democrat in DC, not people and the you know, the Democrat voters, the people in DC just use see climate change. As a vehicle to get control. To compel you how to act. If you're really worried about climate change. And you're worried about the the trash in the oceans. Hey there's a great company I want to tell you about. I found these online. Because I actually saw a Facebook ad for them. And it seems like a real cool company. I don't know much about them. But they're two surfer dudes. And they went to a beach one time to have a surf. And they saw all this plastic. And they saw all this trash. And went this is not cool. This is not right. And they decided to set up a a company called Four Ocean. And what's Four Ocean do? It's a free market company. They're really passionate surfers. They don't want trash in the oceans. They're not telling people what to do. They're not campaigning in, in government saying, you need to tell people not to do stuff. Climate change. No, they're out there cleaning the oceans. And how they get funded is, I don't know the process, but they take all the trash and the plastic from the oceans, they melt it down, and they make these really cool bracelets, and then they sell them to people. And people who are passionate buy the bracelets. And then that funds a new mission, and then that funds a new mission, and that keeps on going. We can sit here and have an honest discussion and say, you know what, some of the things people say about the environment, who are really passionate global warming people, you know what, there is some merit to what they say. Disagree with the solution when it comes to government. Because telling people what to do, where do you get that right? Let me bring this back to core, basic principles. Starts with the same one all the time. Do you fundamentally believe we are all created equal? Do you believe in equality? All my friends on the left go, yeah, I believe in equality, yeah. Of course I do. Great. How can you compel someone else to act? How can you compel someone to say, you know what? You have to do this. You have to do this certain way. You have to travel this way. You have to live this way. You have to act this way. You can't do this. How can you be equal? If you believe in that power, then you believe there is a master and you believe there is a serf. That is not equality. But how about we actually look at the record of government, whether it's the American government, whether it's the Irish government, whether it's the English government, whether it's any government around the history of the world. Pick one. How good was it on an efficient program? Name me some government anywhere around the world that started something, saw a problem and fixed it and was efficient, didn't infringe on your rights and did a better job than the free market could do. I'll wait. Give me the answers. I'm on Twitter, Freedom Disciple. I'd love to hear your answers. The idea that government can do something better than me and you for a profit is not true in practical terms. You want to solve these problems? Great, so do I. The free market will do that. This company, 4Ocean, will do that. Going and doing, not looking for money, not looking for donations, but cleaning up the oceans and then selling a product and people have been passionate enough to buy it. The choice is yours. Which one do you want? <music> If you like what we do around here, there's a new show released every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. Please subscribe on all major platforms. Its show is free. It's advert-free. We're on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, OmniFM, Google Play Music, uh, Spotify, Castbox. Wherever your podcasts are sold, we're there and we're free. Also, if you happen to listen on iTunes, or even if you don't, please consider leaving us a rating and review, because uh, iTunes is is one of our biggest platforms where we get a lot of downloads, and um, they have an algorithm, and the more ratings you have and the more reviews you have, it means it's easier to find your show for new listeners, so please leave us a rating and review. You guys have been awesome. The next issue I want to talk to you about is an issue that is really hard to discuss, especially because people want to talk about labels and sides, and that is foreign policy what's going on in the world and to have an honest conversation about when is American foreign policy good and when is it bad and what should your president and your politicians, how should they act? What should they say? What should they believe in? You know, one of the biggest frustrating things for me is when people love to label people, oh, you're just a hawk. You're a neocon and you're an isolationist and you're an ideologue and it'll never work and you just want to pull everyone away. And this has gone into your politics where there was a, some people found it funny and humorous and honestly I found it particularly sad. Um, There was a, a Twitter debate between, and I say debate, it wasn't more of a debate, it was more of an insult fest, between Liz Cheney and Rand Paul. And if you want to go look at that about, you know, positions and from foreign policy and how, you know, Rand doesn't, he doesn't love America. He loves terrorists and all this type of baloney. Because if you're in isolationist, you automatically hate America and you're not America first. Folks, these are people who are representing you. I think it's time you started looking for a bit more quality and a bit more substance rather than, hey, let's just name call people. Let's actually have a discussion about what American foreign policy and what American principles should be. And I believe one of the problems is, before we get into the foreign policy, is your foundation at home is not strong. Your foundation of what do you want America to be is not strong. There are so many competing ideas. There are so many competing ways of, well, are you pro-Trump or not pro-Trump? Are you a Democrat? Are you a liberal? Are you uh, are you conservative? Are you a Republican? Are you Libertarian? Are you a neocon? Are you hawkish? Are you isolationist? We have all these divisions, and it's not apt to actually discuss how people feel, because you can be a bit of both. You know this idea, like I'll give you my foreign policy. My foreign policy is rather very simple. It's kind of how I act in life as well. I don't believe America should be the world police. I don't want violence. I don't want war. I'm very slow to war. But my God, if I go to war with you, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you. I'm going to annihilate you. This idea that it's totally normal for Americans now to have an 18-year war in a country, which is three times the length of World War II. Just put that into context. Technology has advanced so much, yet you're in a war that's nearly three times the length of World War II. Is that healthy? We have honest conversations. I want to talk to you about some principles around the world. And I'm not going to per se tell you what the right answer is because I don't have the right answer. But what I'd ask you to do is actually think about your foreign policy. What would you do? How would you like America to respond? What would you like America to do? Don't think about what Trump will do, whether it's good or bad. Don't think about what your favorite Republican or your favorite Democrat will do. Just think about what you would do. Actually test yourself. The first one is what's going on in Saudi Arabia and the Middle East right now. Because last week there was an attack on a Saudi Arabian oil field. And Donald Trump tweeted the following on the 15th of September. Saudi Arabian oil supply was attacked. There is reason to believe that we know the culprits are locked and loaded depending on verification, but waiting to hear from the kingdom as to who they believe was the cause of this attack and under what terms we, we, would proceed. Okay, so first thing, let's break this down bit bit by bit, step by step. Is it a good idea to bomb oil fields? Does it affect the whole world? Is it a good idea? No. Does it affect the whole world? Yes, in some way, shape or form it does. You know, oil is a, is a valuable commodity. It's a natural resource. The world uses a lot of millions of barrels of this a day. The idea of an attack on it, it's not good for the world. It's not good for stability. It's a bad thing. But how should America respond? How should America respond? Is America the world police? If there's an attack somewhere in the world, does America automatically have to respond? Is that like an unwritten principle? Oh, there's an attack in Saudi Arabia. America must get involved. Does America have to get involved militarily? Is that how you solve these problems? Does America have to get involved ideologically, just, you know, provide support, provide reassurance? Are you willing to go to war with Iran? Because Iran has answered that if there is a response to Iran about this attack from either Saudi Arabia or America, it will mean serious consequences, and they're willing to go to war. When you understand the ideology of Iran and the 12th, the man, they want this chaos. They don't want stability. They want chaos, because that is what will bring the return and hasten the return of the Mahdi. You have to understand this ideology. Are you willing to go to war over this? Now, let's set the record straight about one thing. Should America fear anyone when it comes to a conflict? When it comes to your military? Hell no. If it's a simple battle of Iran versus America, that is a battle that will be won rather easily. Your military is by far and away the most amazing military that man has ever assembled. It's got issues, yes, but some of those issues have been addressed. However, The idea of winning, what does winning look like? The One of the biggest problems that you have when you get involved in these countries is, can you safely say that if you went to a war with Iran tomorrow, that yes, you would win and yes, you'd probably overturn the Ayatollah or maybe kill him eventually. But you really can say with your hand on your heart that in 18 years time or 18 years after the war started, that you wouldn't still be in Iran in some way, shape or form. Is that the answer? Should American military be in every country around the world? Is that healthy? Is that good for world peace? Is that good for the American psyche? Is that good for the American military? Is that good for the American taxpayers? A country that's 22 trillion in debt and growing to have military all over the world. Does that make fiscal sense to you? Then it comes to Saudi Arabia and this is one of the frustrating things because your foreign policy in my opinion and this is just my opinion has been screwed up for so long it's screwed up under Donald Trump it's screwed up under Barack Obama it's screwed up under George Bush it's screwed up under Bill Clinton under George Bush senior for many different reasons. One of those reasons is how everyone, whether you're Republican or Democrat, Donald Trump, an outsider, whether you're George Bush or Barack Obama or Bill Clinton or anyone, sees Saudi Arabia as some type of ally to America. Is Saudi Arabia an ally? If so, what has it ever done to prove it? What action has it said? You know what? That's the action of an ally. That's the action of someone who's a friend of America. Can you show it to me? Because I have yet to see any action from the House of Saud that says, yes, we're aligned with America. Who do you want to align with? Who do you want to be allies with? Saudi Arabia, is this a country you really want to get in bed with? Where they this year alone, they have killed 134 people, including via crucifixion. And what were their crimes? What did they do that was so dastardly? What did they do that was so horrific that they said, the government said, kill them? Well, some of them expressed anti-government views on Facebook. And others, when there were protesters, had this audacity, this horrific crime. I can't believe in 2019 people still commit this crime. Like, this is so horrific. This, like This should be stoning. Like, this should literally just kill you and your family. Like, God himself should kill for this crime. The crime? Bringing water to protesters. Is this a country that you think, when you understand the founding principles of America, the idea of freedom, when you understand, if you even understand 1% of your revolution, is that a country that you can go, you know what, yeah, that's the country I want to call an ally, baby? Yet, Republican, Democrat, outsider, insider... Big government, small government. It's always amazing the opinion on Saudi Arabia never ever seems to change. Why is that? What has to happen? Is that a country you want to get in bed with? The second thing is, how do you address bad things that happen in the world? You know, I said to you that American foreign policy has been screwed up, in my opinion, for the longest time. One person who I think got it right, and boy do I miss this guy for his rhetoric, his opinions, and the way he spoke, because in so many ways he got it right, was Ronald Reagan. Honest question for you. The way Ronald Reagan spoke about the Soviet Union, was that good, or was it bad? The way he identified the enemy... The way he called the Soviet government the evil empire, but always at every opportunity promoted their people as good and decent to ensure that they heard that it wasn't an attack on the people, it was an attack on their government. Was that a good stance or was that a bad thing? Do you miss those days? Because one of the questions I get on a regular basis from my friends on the left who are just so desperate to hear anti-Trump views They want to ask all these questions. Oh, just say something negative about Trump. That's all we want. They'll ask me, what's the worst thing that you can think about Donald Trump? What's the worst thing you can say that upsets you the most? Well, here's the answer. The way Donald Trump speaks about North Korea. The idea of a country that I love, which is built on the foundation of nature's law, nature's God, and the premise of freedom saying anything positive about north korea yeah i get it. it's his style he likes buttering up people i got it don't care is that something you're okay with not saudi arabia sorry saudi arabia is a bad country north korea that guy has done horrific things to his people is that a country you want to say anything positive about now you may disagree you may go look if it gets it done i'll say anything positive okay then we just simply agree to disagree and that's cool do you really want people, your administrations saying positive things about dic- dictators, despots, tyrants? Do you want your people and your president to go overseas and do an apology tour? Do you want your people to be represented by politicians who love promoting how America sucks abroad? These are questions about this administration and prior administrations. I'm not making this about people. I'm making this about principles. What do you think it should be? When it comes to dealing with issues, do you want America involved militarily? Do you want them involved in speaking out against tyranny? Or do you want them not involved at all? These are the questions that need to be asked and answered. And a debate needs to be had. Let us meet on the battleground of ideas and let's discuss these ideas. Because I love my friends on the left who, you know, are so passionate and hate people like me. Let me give you a story this week about foreign policy. And I'd ask you from a foreign policy thing, what should America's role be in this? But I love my friends on the left who will who would look at someone like me and go, Oh, you're a right winger. I'm not, but let's just play along. Oh, you hate women. Oh, you're a racist. Oh, you're this and you're that. Well, let me talk to you about a story from Indonesia. Indonesia is the world's most populated Muslim majority country. Right? Oh, you're going to talk about Muslims. Oh, <gasps> oh my God. You, can you feel the hate already? <gasps> oh, here's John the Christian. He's going to, he's going to get them Muslims. I told you he hated these people. Well, let me ask you the question to so my friends on the left. There's a bill that's been passed in Indonesia right now, and it contains some very interesting things, shall we say. One of them is if you have sex outside of marriage, it's a year in jail. You down with that? You know, people love to, you know, talk about the Trump administration and oh my god, Mike Pence and you have the handmaid's tale. Where's your outrage about Indonesia? Where's your protests now, huh? Where's your viral hashtags? I'm one of them. If you're an unmarried couple and you don't you're not married and you go, you know what, let's just live together. You can go to jail for six months. What was your crime? You lived together. (gasps) Oh my God. God himself should strike them down. If you criticize the government. Now they didn't give the prison term for this. But yes. If you criticize the government you go to prison. But Donald Trump is Hitler right? Well why isn't he instituted a policy on this? You know if you insult Donald Trump you gotta go to jail. But Donald Trump's Hitler. But this is Indonesia. This is actually happening. Where's your outrage? Where's your outrage? Where's your protest? Where's your fancy hashtag movements? But yeah, I'm the problem. Oh yes, I hate women, I hate black people, I hate everyone apparently. This is going on and you're silent. You see, it's easy to target me. It's easy to target people like me. Where there's real tyranny happening. And this is not the first time. Because this is my problem with politics. When you're all about sides, the left can't side with the right and vice versa. I said publicly at the time, even though I'm a nobody, I would walk with glad down a street if it said, you know what, we disagree on gay marriage, we disagree on the role of government, we disagree on pretty much everything, but here, we're here today not to talk about that, to focus on one issue we agree on. Let's not throw gay people off buildings. Do you think they would side with me? (laughs) This is not the first time all these issues are happening. So what should America's role be in this? Should America get involved militarily? Should they speak out? But we'll come back to that in one second because I want to share another story. And this story really annoys me. And I know it's an irrational love, but I love animals and I love dogs. If you're in the military or you've been around military, you know there's a lot of very close relationships between soldiers and dogs. Well, America trains these dogs to do different oper- do different moves and different things for operations overseas, including sniff bombs and sniff mines. And America has now started because America is such a generous nation. Or, or sorry, sorry, that's not right. America is not a generous nation. America sucks. America only cares about itself. America never gives anything to anyone. Yet we have foreign aid going through the wazoo, adding to the debt. But you donated bomb-sniffing dogs to Jordan. And how did Jordan respond? Because Jordan's an ally, remember? Oh, the king is so cool. I love the king of Jordan. He like, when it was ISIS time, he was like flying missions. He was so cool. I love the king of Jordan. Yeah, well, when they got bomb-sniffing dogs from America, they severely neglected them, they abused them, and they died. And how did America respond? Oh, you got you to gotta do certain things to look after the dogs. But here's more dogs. Is that a healthy foreign policy? Now, I know there's people listening go, I don't care about dogs, John. They're dogs. Okay. But should you be sending stu- you know, dogs or anything to a country that's quote-unquote an ally when they get abused, neglected, or killed? Is that healthy? Is that something you want to be part of? American foreign policy, you need to have an awful lot of questions and you need to have certain honest debates about what the way forward is because you have gone... Through different administrations. And certain things remain the same. Have a conversation about what the role of Saudi Arabia is. Have an honest conversation with yourself. About how you want these things. And these are just a couple of ideas. Or stories that are recent. There are countless stories. How should you be dealing with North Korea? How should you be dealing with Iran? Because I will tell you as an outsider. As someone who's not an American. Who has zero say in your culture. I'll tell you when is at its best. America's at its best when you're calling out tyranny no matter who it's coming from. When you're shining that light of liberty. When you're calling everyone else out on the BS. And when I say calling out, I want to be crystal clear. I don't mean militarily. This idea that someone does something that you don't like, that you automatically have to bomb them, I find so old school, if I may say. Ronald Reagan, for all people hating on him. Ronald Reagan, when Ronald Reagan came into office... You want to know the power of rhetoric? When Ronald Reagan came into office, when he was elected president, there was a term back then called MAD. And I don't mean MAD as in crazy as in, ha <laughs> MAD. No, I mean as in mutually assured destruction. Where everyone was so concerned about the, the Soviet Union and all the nuclear weapons and all the nuclear weapons America had, that if they just launched... Because it would take so long because there's such a distance between the countries. They would find out and the other country would launch back. And it would literally destroy the world. There was people in your own country, in your own media, in your own government. Who was basically saying that, you know, the only way we will end this Cold War is by accepting what Russia does. And just accepting a a more gentle, a more kinder version of Soviet socialism once it wasn't going to communism. That is how you solve it. Ronald Reagan said, the hell with that. Ronald Reagan called them the evil empire and he called them out for what they did. And guess what? He won the Cold War without a war. Sure, there were proxies, but without an actual war between Soviet Union and America. That is the power of rhetoric. That is when your country can be at its best. Your country is at its best with a line that everyone knows and will repeat time and time again. Mr. President, tear down this wall. That's the power of rhetoric. If you want an outsider's point of view, your rhetoric, your ideas can change the world. I hope they do. But you have to understand what ideas you are for. You have to have these conversations because you can make a positive difference on the planet you can make a positive difference in different countries but you must know what you stand for you must be consistent at home what principles that you stand for and then be that voice and that beacon for liberty and call out tyrants and despots for what they are If you never want to miss an episode of this show or you want to follow some of my writings if you go to freedomsdisciple.com there's a mailing list there you'll get the show every week you'll get, and if i when i do writings you'll get a, a notification when there's new posts up you just can subscribe to the newsletter it's free i want to finish up today's show by talking to you about an issue at home in your country and it's a fundamental issue which i think you need to solve but you need to remove the spin and the, uh, the ideas and the agenda behind both of them So when Donald Trump was elected, Donald Trump did certain things. He undid certain things of the prior administration. One of the things he did, whether you like it or not, he removed America from the Paris Accords, from the the climate change agreements. Yes, we're back talking about climate changes and it's so exciting. But the agenda is not climate change here. And because America has certain ideologies competing in it, it has, you know, more liberal states like New York and Massachusetts and California, and it's obviously got more conservative states, you know, Texas and different things. Well, California wasn't happy about this. You might remember some of the politicians, including Arnold Schwarzenegger, who was the former governor uh, of California, you know, been very critical of the Trump administration for doing this. Well, what they decided to do was they came up with this idea that said, you know what, the hell with America? We're going to have our own EPA standards. We're going to sit stricter because we need clean air and clean water. You know, all the, all the buzzwords. Cause, cause apparently if you're not part of the Paris Accords, you hate air and water and you want it all filthy. You know, you want to breed smog and you want to, you know, drink water that's, you know, the color of black or yellow or whatever green, you know, whatever color it's dirty, whatever color is the most dirtiest. You know, each, each of us, each of us climate deniers have our own favorite color, right? You know, we're all part of a cool club. But they decide, you know, we're going to have these EPA standards. First question: Is that okay? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Can you we remove the idea of Trump being involved in this? To go, well, there, that's California sticking it to Trump. Can we can we actually just remove Trump and politicians from the conversation and just go, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Do you support that idea? That's California has the right to do its own EPA standards. Well, this week, Donald Trump, in his wisdom, has revoked the California authority and the power to in- insist on their own fuel-efficient standards. The reason that Donald Trump gave is because he wants to produce far less expensive cars and more safer cars. Now we all know this is all going to be kabuki theater. We all know it's going to be all oh, loads of spin. There's going to be a there's going to be a court case, and it'll go all the way to the Supreme Court. And it'll all be about Donald Trump and it'll be about California and your opinion on Donald Trump might sway you either way. Your opinion on California might sway you either way, whether you love Trump or hate him or love California or hate it, you know, it will sway it. But can we have a conversation about the principles of what is going on? First question. And this is a question I, I find myself asking regardless of who's in power, whether it's Donald Trump, Obama, Bush, Clinton, Bush, even Reagan. It's a question I always seem to find myself asking and I ask people online and no one ever answers it. When they love something their president does, when Obama did something they loved, oh, I love doing this. I ask this question. When Donald Trump does something, I love Donald Trump doing this. I ask this question. The amount of people I've probably asked this question, Oh, a thousand times over the last eight years, nine years, ten years however long it is I can count on my left hand the amount of people who have answered this question or even acknowledged it where is this power in article 2? can you read article 2? I'm not asking you to read like a book I'd probably be asking you to read I don't know, I'm really bad at counts maybe 1500 words maybe, maybe less, maybe more 1500 words tell me where that power is can you show where article 2 has this power? That's the first question. Because do you want to be a constitutional republic or not? This week you celebrate constitution day. Do you want to support the constitution or do you not? Because it's picking and choose time. It's 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 time for lip service to be over. It's time, especially, and I will focus this on my friends on the right, quote unquote. It's time to stop paying lip service to the constitution. The left don't care about it. The left don't even pay lip service to it. I can nearly guarantee you... Actually, we'll come back to that point in a second. They don't care. They have no love for the Constitution. They think you're a democracy, not a republic. So either they don't care, or they're ignorant, or they don't know. Or they just choose not to care. I don't know what the reason is. You fill in the blank. Historically, especially over the last eight, ten years, the people who have cared about the Constitution have been the right, quote-unquote. The people who were at the Tea Party rallies. The Conservatives, the Constitutionalists. Now your guy has power. Is it fundamentally important to follow the Constitution? Or is it just pass laws that you like? Because Article 2 has no power. The Constitution, and I think this is pretty clear, this is like shall not be infringed. These words my, my friends on the left don't seem to understand. And actually my friends on the right when it comes to gun control at the minute as well. Shall not be infringed. These are not complicated words. These cannot be spun to, hey, shall not be infringed means infringe a little bit. Or infringe when our side does it. Likewise, all legislative powers shall be vested in Congress. That can't be changed. I'm sorry, if you are for the Constitution, that's not like, well, all legislative powers when it's a Democrat. But when it's a Republican, you know, some legislative powers are vested in Congress and some are in Article 2. Are you consistent? Is it time to actually go, you know what? And I'd be respectful, I would disagree with you. If you're just like, you know what, the Constitution is outdated and we just don't need to follow it and it doesn't work for this time. I fundamentally disagree, but I would respect you a lot more than I'm... These people in the media and my colleagues who go, I'm for the Constitution. Yeah, I love the Constitution. I'm a constitutionalist. And then will support policies that go directly against the Constitution. At least the left, when they try and violate the Constitution, they'll always pull out these great words, oh, well, it's the general welfare. People, my friends on the right, don't even care about the general welfare clause anymore. It's just violated all day long when it's their guy. Because, hey, John, we need cheaper cars. We need a strong economy. That's what will make it done. Where's the Where's Article 2 power? Second thing, and this is linked to the Constitution, but this is the Bill of Rights. Do you want to live in a federalist system or not? Do you believe in states' rights? Do you want to live in those principles? These are the questions. This is not for me to answer, by the way. I will talk to you all day long. I'll even encourage you and try and remind you of your history, why you were exceptional, why these principles worked, why these principles changed the world. But ultimately, I have zero say in this. This is all on you guys. Do you want to believe in a system of government where you are fundamentally different to the rest of the world, which is federalism, which is states' rights? Because you are different because you are not a country in the sense of everyone else is a country. You are 13 colonies that came together to form the United States. Not a country, the United States. But you are 13 individual colonies that came together to work towards a common enemy. But likewise, when you declared your independence and when you whooped Britain's butt, and when you beat the Redcoats and the Hessians and you got rid of them, how you fundamentally set up your government was the exact opposite to every other nation. Because when every other nation was set up, when it was Ireland, whether it was England, whether it was France, wherever, who named the nation, fill in the blank, they all set up the same way. They had a federal government or a federal type of government and said, we're at the top. We're the top dog, whether it's a king or a president or a prime minister. And we have all these powers. And then Congress has these powers. And then the Senate, if they have them, has these powers. And then the local government. And basically it's trickle-down power. But always the people at the top had the most power. And they chose what they wanted. And then the next level and the next level and the next level. It was power from the top all the way down. The people at the top have more power in, in government than the local people do. America was built on an idea that was the exact opposite. They said all power shall be vested in the states. Yes, we need a federal government. Yes, we need a House. and Yes, we need a Senate. And and yes, eventually they agreed on a presidency because there was a lot of debate over it. But they said Article 2 has no power. Article 2 has no power. Yes, they have the veto. And yes, they're the commander-in-chief. But when it comes to legislation, zero power. Congress which is the house and the senate has 18 clauses in article one section eight of the constitution of what it can do and everything else is left to the states because we believe in a fundamental principle of when government there should be limited government in all cases but when there should be government it should be as close to the people as possible and yes that is a biblical principle i will make you leaders of men of tens of hundreds of thousands that is another biblical principle. How do you believe government works best when it's closest to you or when it's far away from you? Do you, let me give this in context to you. Do you have more chance of having a meeting to tell your grievances to your local state assemblyman or woman or senator or Donald Trump? That's the fundamental reason why your system was set up the way it is. Do you want that system? Do you believe in that system? What is the way forward for your country? Look, you guys will decide either way. But it's time to have these discussions. Do you want to follow the constitution? Do you want to follow the principles that made you exceptional? Or do you want to be like every other nation? Do you just want to be a democracy? Do you just want to be whatever Trump says is good? Then go for it. Or whatever the GOP happens to support right now. Go for it. Or whatever's popular in the media. Do you want to follow that? Or do you want to follow what your ancestors did? What your forefathers did? These are the questions you fundamentally have to decide. Because right now, what you have is a problem. Who decides what's best? This emission standards, who decides what's best? The government or the state government? Who's the, who, who has the best track record of deciding these things? Or who should decide these things? You see, the problem with this is, everyone will get caught up in this debate that I spoke about, about the principles of federalism, but when it comes to this debate, you'll have the debate, well, who decides what's safer? Is it Donald Trump and the federal EPA, or is it California's EPA? For me, that's a loaded question, because the answer is, in my opinion, is neither. This is the beauty of the free market, if you actually understood free market principles. If you're really worried about dirty air and dirty water... Okay, cool. I don't want dirty air and dirty water. How do you solve it? Everyone will say, well, government has to do things. We need this regulation. We need this rule. We need to tell the companies. Sorry. We always use the word tell. We don't, let's be honest. Let's call a spade a spade here. We don't, we always say we want to tell companies how to work. That's not really what we want to do, whether you're left or right. We want to compel companies to do a certain way. We want to compel them. You must make a car this way. Tell if you tell a company something, the company there automatically you imply has a right to go. Yeah, we told you to do this, but you know we kind of went eh, screw you. You can't do that if you're a company. If it's a rule and regulation, they compel you to do things. It has to do this. And guess what? If you don't do what they compel you to do, they will fine you or put you in jail. Again, I asked this question earlier on. If you fundamentally believe in equality, where does someone get that power? To compel you, you have to make a car this way. Because if you don't, you're going to jail or I'm going to fine you. But also, how do you make innovation? I am, I've said this in the past so many times. If they come up with a car that has a windmill on top of it and it goes just as, as, as good as a, as a diesel powered car or, or a gas powered car and it is just as efficient and it's just as safe, I'll sign me up, baby. I have no problem. And it's the same cost. No problem. Likewise with solar panels, nuclear energy, whatever it is. I'm for all of the above. But this idea of who decides, who will make our future better? Who will make our future, if I may use the language of love, with better air, with better water, with better, cleaner air, cleaner water? Will it be true government regulation or will it be true innovation? Because historically the answer has been true innovation. And I'll prove it to you. And I've used this example so many times, but if you've never thought about this, I would ask you to think about this, especially if you're like, we need rules and regulations. The history of America. I want you not to be influenced by me or anyone else. I want you to pick any part of society, any part of society that you think of. And I want you to think of the advancement from 0 AD to 1800 AD. Just think of whether it's food, whether it's agriculture, whether it's communication, whether it's transport, whether it's medication, whether it's standard of living, whether it's reading, whatever it is. Hobbies, sports, watching sports. Think of all the advancements in those 1800 years. Now think of the exact same sector of society from the 1800 to today and look at the advancements. Look at what we have done. Has that been because of government rules and regulations? Or has that been man been able to follow and pursue his own happiness and keep the fruits of his own labor? Which? But also, let me use the analogy, because we're talking about the environment here of clean air and clean water. If you go look at some of the old pictures from the 1900s, and you look at some places, like Birmingham in England is a prime example where it's a really cold town. You look at the pictures It's all smoke in the sky. You couldn't see. Go look at those pictures and look at Birmingham today. Why has that happened? Has that happened through innovation? Or has that happened through rules and regulations? These are the questions we must ask ourselves. Because right now, we are at a crisis. The world is in crisis. And I fundamentally believe one of the reasons the world is in crisis is because no one is talking about foundational core principles. These are the principles that are fundamentally true. They are true 50 years ago, 100 years ago, 1,000 years ago, and they will be true 1,000 years from now. The only country I know of historically is America that's ever spoke about foundational principles. Whether you agree with them or disagree with them, they spoke about time-tested and true principles. And I believe America and the world need to be reintroduced to these because they are worth following. Their success proves them right. They have survived the test of time and they can survive it again and we can all live a better tomorrow, but we cannot do it if we continue basing so much of our, our life and how we operate politically and in the media based on our opinion and what's cool and what's popular. We need a foundation and that is what I'm going to do to the best of my ability each and every week on this show. I hope this show has given you plenty to think about. I hope it's, I'm sure it's annoyed some of you at different times, but uh, please get involved. Join me on social media, Twitter, Freedom Disciples, Facebook, Jonathan JonathanDunn58, and I will see you next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. Until then, we salute our police, our firefighters, emergency personnel, and your vets, the men and women who risk it all. They don't get involved in these politics. They put all the labels, the tribalism inside, and they're just brothers and sisters helping each other, serving you. And I salute you, the great American people. Never ever forget, America is great because Americans are good. That is the fundamental key. America is not great because of Trump. America is not great because of Pelosi or McConnell or anybody else. It's great because of your people. That is where the real power belongs. In your people's hands. Not in politicians and not in D.C. Until next Saturday at 12 noon Eastern, you all have a beautiful and blessed week. And this time next week, I'll be in your country. <laughs> Take care. God bless. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.